This is the Extravagant Promises Podcast, and I'm your host, Gregory. extravagant promises we think not this is a podcast about reckoning recovery and redemption tonight is episode number 35 terminal before we get started as usual i would like to cover a few housekeeping items the first being that this is not an AA meeting, but it is an act of service. It is something that I hope would be a compliment to your program, and I encourage everyone to have a program to avail themselves of a 12-step process and, and, and really the, the miracle of the rooms, and that I, I just... I'm so indebted and in love with the program that I hope everyone could could have that same kind of relationship with a 12-step program. But this is not an an AA meeting or an NA meeting or uh, an approved type of of, uh, gathering. It's just that light in the darkness, maybe a candle to hone in on or home in on as you're finding your way trudging the road of happy destiny number two i'm not a mental health professional and i do encourage everyone to have a mental health program and and understand that i'm not a doctor or a mental health counselor of any sort third this program and this podcast is free and it will always be free and if there's ever a time when it can't be free then i suppose i will shut the door on that it is an act of service by me and it is my way of giving back to the community and number four anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all our traditions please respect my anonymity and i will respect yours you can contact me with suggestions or anything really uh i'd I'd love to know you better and i'd love to improve the podcast in any way that i can you can reach me at Gregory B, G R E G O R Y, letter B, at extravagant promises podcast.com or on Instagram at extravagant promises podcast. So um, with that, on to the episode. So this episode is called Terminal. And that sounds rather ominous, and it is. Um, I'm certainly not trying to make it more dramatic than it is, but the reason that I'm focusing on the word terminal is because recently at a meeting, the subject or the topic of the day was the concept of being terminally unique. And I love that concept because it actually... uh, dovetails really nicely with with something I've been working on. I've been going back and and 
as I've evolved through the program, as I've picked up uh, chip after chip, you know, and tried to try to put some years together here. I really looked at my character defects, and I'm sure that I have a long list of them. When I first came in the rooms, I felt like the list was almost, it was so long, I, I, I couldn't imagine it even fit, not filling an entire journal. Uh, but that was also, you know, if you think about it, that was me being terminally unique. Hey, I'm so bad. I got to be the worst of all. I'm I'm irredeemable. I'm unworthy. Uh, you know all these hyperbole and 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 extreme intense language. When really, you know that that may that was too going too far. You know, I mean, I I have a I have significant character defects just like everybody else, and I have a problem controlling my impulses, and I have a a problem just being a man among men, and that that's normal. <laughs> it doesn't make me, I, I mean, certainly I'm abnormal. I'm not trying to say, the, oh, well, I don't have a problem. I have a problem, but but that problem is a normal problem. And and it's when I start to try to make myself, oh, I, I, I have to be a special addict, alcoholic, whatever. That's terminally unique, I suppose. But, you know, so my, my, my character defects really center around two things that as I've come to see it, and, and they both are that notion of terminally, terminal uniqueness that one is this idea of oppositional defiant disorder or oppositional defiance disorder. I've heard it both ways. This rebellious nature, the notion of you can't just conform, you can't just go along, you, 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 you have to change it to fit you Um Everything is a slight. Everything is a, a a a cut down. You know, you can't just accept life on life's terms. It's got to be your way. And I don't mean just you know that yes, there is something noble about looking at something instead of saying why, saying why not, and trying to improve your civilization and your community and your life. But that also just leaves this constant sort of like reinvention of the wheel and constant. Um, attempting to go back and revisionist history over everything that should have been done differently, could have been done differently. Um, perfectionism is a little bit like that. So, you know, it, it, that, that, that sort of defiance is, is a character defect of mine. Not being satisfied, content, blissful, instead being restless, irritable, discontented, diseased. And similarly, um, my other character defect is this corresponding, I would say, need for extravagance or peacocking. I don't know. Uh, I mean, show off. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly. You know, of course, it's like I can't just listen to other podcasts. I have to have my own podcast. And, and that goes along with that defiance. And... And so those two things have, have, have certainly brought me an immeasurable amount, <laughs> there you go with the extreme language, but a lot of grief, a lot of heartache, a lot of insecurity. At the same time, you know, that's who I am. You know, I am defiant. I am, I am a rebel. I am extravagant. I am creative. I am 
uh, inspired. I am somebody who's trying new things and trying to do things better. There's a, there's a good side to that. You know, those character defects, you know, they're not just deplorable, abhorrent nature. It's, 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 there's a good side to it. And so, you know, I've been really thinking about that, about, you know, when I'm, when I'm trying to make decisions or I'm taking on a, a, an obstacle or a challenge, or I'm speaking out against something or speaking up in support of something, I'm asking myself, you know, what are my motivations here? Am I really trying to do something better? Is this, is this a hill I need to die on? Or is this just something that maybe I need to let go? Is it, you know, my therapist, I had a situation a year ago about that really bothered me. And it was um, kind of a complicated but not so complicated situation. But basically, I had the opportunity to just just kind of get out of it, you know, just, just not be involved in it. And I didn't want to let somebody else have this opportunity. I wanted to hang on to it. And I, how dare this, you know, and, and, and so... But I said to my therapist, you know, it's kind of like letting someone else take your girlfriend to the prom. And my therapist said, well, how, just how hot is this girlfriend? Because, you know, this girlfriend doesn't sound all that great. It doesn't sound, you know, you're making it sound like it's Miss America or something, but really it's not, you know. And, and I thought about it, and it's like, how hot is this girlfriend is a great question for me to ask myself when it's like, is that a hill I want to die on? Do I, or is it even a hill that I want to be on? I mean, that's the thing. How hot is this girlfriend? You know? So that takes me to the subject for tonight because it, it goes along with my, my character defects is this idea of terminal uniqueness. And it's interesting because the first time I heard the phrase, um, it was interesting to me because it was here in, in you know, surrounding a home group. And um, I had kind of a, a, a tumultuous, really awesome, but, but not so great, uh, an awesome relationship with my sponsor, but then a not so great ending to my relationship with my sponsor. And um, I'm not going to get into that tonight. I probably should go into it at some point. But, you know, again, you know, was – whose fault, who, what was going on? You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I know that, that I, I tried to be a really good AA. I tried, you know, whenever my sponsor would tell me, um, you know, uh, I want you to meet me here and for coffee, I would meet there. You know, I want you to read this. I would read it. You know, I want you to do this. I'd do it. You know, I'd, I would invite my sponsor to travel with me, go, Hey, do you want to go to meetings together? You know, this kind of thing. And, and I don't know what the deal was, you know, um, there was a breach of my anonymity that really hurt me deeply. But, um, you know, uh, I do have a debt of gratitude to my sponsor, my first sponsor, that, um, you know, it's a, I, I said there's capital in the bank and it'll never run out because I think he saved my life. But um, he kind of from time to time would kind of like almost threaten to like fire me or not be my sponsor. And it would really, I was new to the program and, you know, and that would really shock me because it was like, I was, I was at rock bottom in my mind and I didn't have anything. I didn't have anything to hold on to. 
And when he would be like, hey, I'm, you know, if you don't work the fourth step, this, I don't know if I can be your sponsor anymore. It's like, what are you talking? You know, it's not like I'm calling you up drunk or anything. I'm not working the steps fast enough, you know? And anyway, um, so, you know, a couple years ago, um, a few years ago, I guess, you know, uh, um, my sponsor, I, he, he was going through some stuff, and um, and, and I, I sent him a text that was like, hey, I want to ask you a question about kombucha. And it seems so innocuous, but I was like, as my sponsor, like, is kombucha, does it have alcohol in it? Do you consider that to be drinking or not drinking? You know, I don't want to drink this kombucha stuff if it's got alcohol in it or if you think that would be in, inappropriate. And rather than just saying like, hey, um, I don't, I don't think kombucha is a problem or don't drink kombucha. He sent me this text. It was like, you know, I'm not really your sponsor. Uh, I don't really feel like we have a relationship, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it was like, so I don't really feel like I'm your sponsor. And, um, and then I was like, what, you know, like, oh my God, you know, please don't tell me, you know, I'm really, uh, you know, and, um, you know, and, and it was funny because it was like it was like I was a, like a child again. You know, like please don't abandon me, please don't do this. You know, and I was real. I got real needy and clingy, and and like you know, oh my gosh, you know, and can we talk about this, please? You know, I I I, I really depend on you know, and and um and then he was like, oh, I can't talk right now because I'm in the middle of something really important, and I, I'm not. I shouldn't even be texting with you, and I really can't be bothered, and I don't know what you know. And I was like, well excuse my language, but why the fuck did you choose to do, you know, I should just ask you about kombucha. What, you know, you, you could, you know, like anyway. So I, so I, I really stewed on it and I thought about it and he was like, well, well, you know, okay, nothing, I'm not making any decisions and you're not making any decisions. Let's just talk tomorrow and, or the next, you know, we'll, we'll work through this and I'm, I'm here for you and all this stuff. And then I, you know, the more I thought about it that night, I was like, you know what, this is bullshit. This is not cool. I'm not I'm not all right with this. And I was getting to a place in my program where I felt like, you know, I um I'm worth more than this, you know, and I I am a good man and I am a sober man and I am working the steps and I've worked them and I've done it and I'm working with other guys. I go to meetings all the time. You know, I was like I don't I don't need to be treated like this, you know, like I'm some sort of fungible, you know, just cast aside, you know, kind of thing and you know, I'm not getting anything out of this, so see you later. And I was like, wait a second, you know, I'm worth more than that. And so I said, you know what, your invitation is accepted. I will, I, I, I choose to end this relationship and I'll find another sponsor. And I, that was one of the most powerful things I've ever done in my life was saying, you know what, your invitation is accepted. You want to, you want to revisit this? I accept your invitation. And, um, and, and in fact, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and end it. And it was one of the Actually, the happiest moments of my life was not because I, I mean, I really, it made me upset because I like this man and I really admired him, but I felt like, you know, I'm going, I have the courage to say, no, thank you. I'm not going to be treated that way. It was one of the only times in my life I've really done that. And it was like, you know, I'm not going to freak out and bitch or cry or whine or beg or anything like that. I'm just saying, you know, I, I wrote a letter, I slept on it. And, you know, at four or five the next morning, I sent it. And um, anyway, so I was I was like, you know, I, I'm I, I really felt like, you know, I, I don't want to be without a sponsor probably more than a day, you know. So I reached out to a guy who was also in that same kind of home group and 
one of these old timers who's, you know, real energetic and, and very prominent in our local program and, you know, always talking about how he's got a life second to none and all this kind of stuff. And and so I was like, you know, I, I could use some help. And so I called him up and said, Hey, would you, um, you know, I'm kind of going through something with my, with my sponsor and it looks like we're going to, you know, maybe I, it'd be best if I parted ways. Would you, would you be my sponsor at least, you know, for, you know, kind of like work with me for a little bit until I find somebody else or figure out if we want to make it happen, you know, temporary thing. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I'll work with you, you know, this and that, but we got to talk about it. And, you know, and, but then he, then he went on and he said, you know, he goes, you know, Gregory, um, you've always struck me as terminally unique. You know, you're terminally unique. And, um, and man, that hit me like a knife in the, in the heart. You know, I was just like, what the fuck does he mean by that? You know, and, and like, you're just this tragically, you know, needy, clingy person, terminally unique. Now, what does that mean? And, um, and I thought about it, you know, and, uh, and so I called up another guy that I, that I'd met in the rooms and who I really admired also. And I said, Hey, would you, would you, would you be interested in being my sponsor? I, I really, I admire you. I, I've, I've gotten to know you. I, I think a lot about you. And, and he said, it would be my pleasure. And, um, and so I called the other, you know, the second guy back, my terminal unique guy. And, and, and I said, Hey man, it's cool. No, you know, I found somebody. And he's like, Oh, well, no, wait a second. You know? And I said, no, it's cool, man. It's all right. Don't worry about it. You know, I'm good. Um, but, you know, this phrase came up again in the rooms this weekend. Uh, somebody's talking about what being terminally unique or what does it mean and this and that. And, you know, my feeling on it is, um, yes, as alcoholics, we are terminally unique. We can't just have a drink. We have to have the whole bottle. We can't just have a relationship with somebody. We have to wreck their, you know. It, restless, irritable, and discontent is based and rooted in being terminally unique, you know. But the the whole point is you are not terminally unique. You're not. We are not terminally unique. None of us are. That's the whole goddamn point of this program is that you go in the rooms and you're not alone. You're not special. You're not, you know, and that's the thing is it is it. You know, you're, you, you, you're, you know, you, you help somebody disabuse them. You don't have to take them down a notch. You say, hey, you know what, man? I know it feels like you're terminally unique in your anguish. I know it feels like no one else gets this, but guess what we all do? It's cool. But you know what? It took me back to when I was, when I was 10 years old. I was 11 years old, and I was bullied bad, you know? I mean bad. And um, these kids would... I was from another town, you know, from another place and all this stuff. And it was like, you know, these kids, you know, it's insecure. It's that kid. He, oh, he thinks he's better than us. And so I remember they bullied me and they said, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to beat you up at recess, you know. And I'd be like, why? And it, Cause you're stuck up. You're stuck up. What does that mean? I don't even know what that means. Oh, we, you think you're better than us. How do I think I'm, I'm essentially alone in this new town you know, I remember carrying my violin case 
and you know and and walking past the schoolyard their kids were still playing i was on my way to my little lesson or whatever and they're calling me you know homophobic names and things like that and i remember being out in the playground i'm in fifth grade and they're they do this thing they go circle and charge it i'll circle around me maybe like somewhere between five and ten kids you know not not more than that, but you know, half dozen or so, and they you know knock me down and kick me and hit me and I you know and I try to wrestle out of you know and just it sucked, it sucked, you know. And I was like, you're stuck up. You think you're better than us. You're you know you should be ashamed of yourself. You're bad. You think you're better, but you're bad. You think you're terminally unique, you know. Fuck you, you piece of shit. You know, right? And then years later, you know, I kind of, you know, I, I, I was in college and I remember I got hazed uh, in a fraternity situation by, by supposedly my friends, quote, my brothers, you know. I remember being like, I was told I had to like hide in these trees in the, on this hill. I had to, you know, they were like, you got to be at this place at a certain hour. And I knew none of the other pledges and none of the other guys were being subjected to it. I was like, is everything okay? And they're like, yeah, 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 just be there at, you know, two in the morning or some bullshit like that, you know. And so I'm up there, I'm 18 years old, you know, I'm hiding in the trees, you know, pull up, put, put a hood over me, blindfolded me, something like that, drive me around and basically tell me what a freaking low life I am that, you know, you carry yourself in a way that makes you think you're better than us, you know, and you think you're this and we're trying really hard to not have that image and, you know, and all this and we want you to, you know, it, it was shame. We're going to shame you. Not You didn't do something wrong. You are wrong. And you got to earn our trust uh, by, by being hum more humble or something like this. And being, you know, and you're like, what do I need to do? What do I, I mean, it was terrifying. You know, I was dragged all over the town and gone. And then, you know, all kinds of freaking draconian, macabre shit. But anyway, you're terminally unique. You know? So, um, you know what I say, ladies and gentlemen, choose your words wisely and don't let somebody choose their words with you and shame you. Yeah, I like, I like that concept of terminal uniqueness because I think it is at the root of our disease. I think it is at the root of our insecurity. It's at the root of our heartache and all is it somehow you're alone and you isolate and you make yourself unique and you don't think anybody else can suffer with you or like you or, or as much as you. And so you're just going to go your own way or you just can't stand to be a man among men. You have to be ambitious and better and all these things. Yes, I get it. That is all true. And we fight that, but you know what? If you're trying to be, a, 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 if you're trying to do service, if you're trying to be uh, work your program and clean your side of the street, why don't you just say, you know what? I thought I was terminally unique, or I acted, I behaved, I was terminally unique, but but I found in the program I'm not. I would love for you to share that you're not as well. But when some son of a bitch wants to look at me and you know, be like, you know. And say like you're, you know, I just have always gotten the praise with you that you're terminally unique. Like you're, you're a special snowflake. You know what? Fuck you. We're all special fucking snowflakes. You know what I mean? And the idea is like, hey man, we're not here to break you down or shame you. You know, 
I'm here to tell every single one of you guys, yes, you are special. Yes, you are unique. But also in that uniqueness, you are not alone. There are many of us here who feel the same way and we come together and we do that together with that which we cannot do alone. Why would you shame somebody like that? You know, so the message of this podcast episode is choose your words wisely. When you're, when somebody reaches out that hand for help, they reach out for help, help them. When you need help, man, choose your words, choose the people whose words you listen to wisely. Don't listen to bullshit. It doesn't matter if they got two years or 20 years. Somebody wants to put you down or I got to put you in your place. Yes, this is an ego deflating program, but this is not a shame program. We don't shame people. And you know what? If, 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 if you're in a room or you're with a sponsor or you're with somebody who shames you, get the fuck out of that room or that relationship. Find another room. This is a program that, yes, your ego is a problem. But we build you up. The miracle happens. My higher power didn't shame people. My higher power didn't die on a cross to shame me. My higher power was shamed and was humiliated and degraded so that I could live. So that my sins could be lifted. I love this program. I love the fellowship. You know... You, you are and you are not terminally unique. What we want to be is we want to just be one among many, and that's what we are. That's what we are. It's cool, you know? It's cool. All right. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them God my higher power please help every single person if it be your will in the rooms and outside of the rooms to know that they are not shameful they are not shamed they should not be shamed they, they may feel terminally unique but they are not terminally unique they are your children they are all your children. And they are all hurting and longing for your love. God, please give them that love. Help me be a better man today. Help me be a man among men today. Please, if it be your will. 
Amen.